Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Have you ever been stretched? (laughs) I went through a a big period of of stretching when we first um, joined the Air Church because my church experience had been a very comfortable one uh, up until then and and that um, I took a back seat and let um, everybody else do the the work. Um, But there were no back seats in um, CRC Air. And I remember one um, Sunday, Pastor John announced um, during the Sunday service, he said, during the week, I'm going down the street leafleting. Um, so let me know if you'd like to come. And um, I've done um, probably hundreds of um, leafleting expeditions since then. But um, at this particular time, it was something I had never, ever done before, and it made me quake in my boots. <laughs> the, the, the idea that, um, that I would stand there on the street where everybody could see me um, handing out leaflets and um, somebody I knew might walk by, <laughs> that was um, absolutely terrifying. Uh, but on the, other side, on the other hand, there was something on the inside that was saying you need to do this, you need to do this. And it didn't stop saying that until I'd phoned Pastor John and um, (laughs) arranged to to meet him. And um, I reassured myself with the thought that, well, at least I'm doing it with Pastor John, so it's like there's uh, there's solidarity, there's a company, there's going to be two of us, and, um, you know, people... um, People won't just see me um, standing there by myself. Um, And I was still a bit apprehensive, but reassured by that thought, I went down to to meet him. Pastor John was waiting with a big bundle of leaflets, and he divided it in two. And he said, "Um, I'm going to leaflet um, down at that end of the high street. Uh, Why don't you go and leaflet at the other end of the high street? (laughs) And I thought, no. (laughs) But I said nothing and took my leaflets off (laughs) down the street. And I'm standing there, absolutely mortified, handing these leaflets out. Um, And then my worst fears come true. I see somebody that I know (laughs) coming down the street. And I'm wishing that the pavement would just open up and swallow me. And... um, as the people I know pass by, I, I look the other direction and, and hand my leaflets <laughs> to somebody else. And, you know, it was, um, it was one of the um, worst half hours I have ever spent, that one. And I thanked God when it was over and all the leaflets were gone. But, you know, that did me good. That did me a lot of good. It, um, it began the process of breaking the fear of people of my life. And it was a stretch. It was a huge stretch. It was, um, it was like I'd been uh, strapped to the rack and the, <laughs> somebody was, uh, was turning the handle. But, you know, we need to stretch. We need to grow. Um, because 
God tells us to. In Isaiah 54, sorry Jane, I've swapped this around. Isaiah 54 and verse 2, it says, Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. And, you know, this was a a prophetic word that God spoke through Isaiah to his people Israel. But the principles in it uh, ring true for us today. God is speaking the same into our lives. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. You know, until we enlarge the tent, nobody else can fit in. Until we stretch those um, curtains, until we lengthen the cords, and still we strengthen the stakes, then that tent can't physically hold any more people than it does today. And this speaks of preparation. This speaks, speaks of, of um, growth in us um, before we see growth in numbers. You know, the kingdom of God is all about growth. It's, isn't it great when things grow? I've got this tree. Um, I don't know if anybody's noticed. This is an amazing year for berries. Uh, all the all the trees that grow berries. It's true. There was a uh, there was an article on the BBC News website about it. Why, why are there so many berries this year? <laughs> and I've got this tree which I'm very proud of, which is putting on an amazing display. Uh, it's about four meters tall, and it's absolutely covered with um, with bright pink berries. And um, it's it's the centerpiece of the garden at the moment. But you know, that tree wasn't always four meters tall. That tree was grown from a seed. Uh, some, some trees are grown from cuttings, but this one was grown from a seed. Um, it was grown in a nursery, but I got it when it was about that size. And I kept it in a pot, and um, I kept it in a pot for years, and it didn't grow. Um, there's, a, there's another story. Um, but as soon as I put it in the ground and filled up the hole with manure, it started shooting up. And now it's rewarding me with the, um, with the display of berries. But, you know, it's, it's great when things in our gardens grow. And Jesus said that the kingdom of God is like a plant which grows. Look at this, Mark 4. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. This is one of the simplest of Jesus' parables, and it's making a a very straightforward but a very, very important point. The kingdom of God grows. When we plant a seed, we expect it to grow. When we have children, we expect them to grow. I, I've got a collection of, of red books. <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> I do have a collection of children, yeah. but I've also got the um, collection of red books, which uh, which go with the children. If any- <laughs> 
If any of you have had a child in the last, I don't know, 25 years or so, um, you're probably given one of these red books when, they, um, when the child was born. And there's various pages where you can record various things, but um, one of them is a height chart. Um, there's also a weight chart, but I, I gave up on that one a long time ago. Um, but the height chart, we, we still measure the kids once or twice a year and um, plot them on the height chart, and you can compare them to the, the national average and, and so on. But, you know, if I got that book out one year and I put a cross and I noticed that the child is at the same height as they were last year, then alarm bells would be ringing in my head. Because it's normal for children to grow. We, we expect it. It's what children are supposed to do. And what Jesus is saying here is that the kingdom of God is just like a seed or just like a child. Growth is natural in the kingdom of God. God's plan for his kingdom is that it increases, enlarges, expands. Everything that is part of his kingdom, his plan is growth. Christ-like character in my life. God wants it to grow. Our love for one another. God wants it to grow. And the blessing that you carry to your your workplace or your neighborhood, God wants it to grow. To stretch is to expand or extend something. And growth results from stretching. Patrick's been stretching recently, and he's, he's um, way beyond me now. But, you know, there are many types of stretching in our lives. We, are there any horsey people here? <laughs> Anybody love horses? No? <laughs> right. I'm not, not a horsey person. Um, largely because I can't be bothered with all the... Um, with all the stuff that goes with it, I'm very happy to. If somebody brings a horse up that's got its saddle and all its all its gear ready, I'm I'm happy to get on the horse and uh, and um, plod along somewhere. But um, you know, really, um, from the point of view of maintenance and so on, a bike is is far superior. <laughs> But anyway, we had friends um, when I was a child who were serious horsey people. Um, and uh, from time to time, I would be um, offered a horse in this place, and I'd, I'd give it a go. And um, as I say, I'm, I'm happy riding as long as, the, as long as the horse goes in a straight line and um, does what it's told and stops and starts when I want it to. Uh, one day it didn't. One day I, I got on the horse and um, got it started and um, (laughs) I didn't know how to stop (laughs) and the horse was walking and that's fine and the horse was trotting and that's that's fine too and then it started cantering and that was not fine (laughs) I left the others far behind (laughs) over the hill and far away (laughs) and I'm just clinging on for dear life thinking, um, is this horse going to stop um, or am I going to fall? And eventually the horse did stop, which I was very pleased about. (laughs) But, you know, if I'd been keen on developing my horse riding skills, um, that's a necessary part of the process. I I need to go through that sort of stretch um, to 
to develop my skills. If I, if I never progress from the walk to the trot and from the trot to the canter and from there to the gallop, which I have no intention of ever uh, <laughs> attempting. But that's what I would have to do. If, if I wanted to, um, to seriously take on horse riding. And it's like that in the Christian life also. If you want to grow as an individual believer, you need to be willing to be stretched, to step into the new. If you want to grow in faith, then your faith needs to be stretched. You need to take some faith steps. If you want to grow in peace, then your peace needs to be stretched. You need to face a storm or two. If you want to grow in patience, then your patience needs to be stretched. You need to hang around some difficult people. (laughs) Has anyone ever encountered any difficult people? You know, I, if, if someone had, had, um, had asked me uh, when I was um, making plans to launch the church um, uh, about difficult people, I'm, I'm sure I'd have acknowledged, yes, I'm, I'm sure there'd be some difficult people, but I, um, I don't think I realized quite how many <laughs> would, would come my way. <clears throat> One day in the early, early years of the church, um, I was preaching away one Sunday morning, and um, there was this visitor in the congregation who um, was behaving very strangely. He had a, he had a passing attachment to, to a lady who was coming to the church at the time. And um, I, w- I had been wondering when he came through the door whether he'd been um, drinking or, or taking some <laughs> substance or other before he'd come along to the, to the meeting. Um, anyway... As I'm preaching, this guy gets up and leaves his seat. And I think, uh-oh. You know, I was, um, I was doing takeover in church the other day. And the, the anointing was really strong. The, the presence of God was, was really strong. And a thought crossed my mind. Is somebody going to try to hijack the service? Because, um, you know, there have been times in the past when... Uh, when uh, when the anointing hits, often that's when somebody, when somebody tries to um, stand up and do something weird. And, <laughs> and the other day when this thought crossed my mind, I immediately thought, no, it's not going to happen. Because uh, we have no nutters in the church. <laughs> Pr- praise God, we have absolutely no spiritual nutters in the church. We had the most wonderful congregation that we've ever had these days, which I praise God for. Anyway, this was not the case um, on this particular Sunday ten years ago. And um, this guy left his seat, and I'm wondering, where is he going? Where is he going? Uh, Where he went was round to the side. We had these other um, seats that that came down the the side of the room at that time. We we didn't use them during the service. We only used them for teas and coffees afterwards. Um, So he came down and sat in one of these seats over to my left. And um, I'm thinking, what's he doing now? Uh, Please don't say anything. Please don't say anything. But sure enough, he starts to speak and he says... This is the oracle of the Most High God. <laughs> I'm told it's some sort of poem, but but at the time I was um, I was convinced it was some sort of demonic prophecy that <laughs> he was bringing forth, and <laughs> it needed to stop. 
So I stopped. I, I, I talked over him for, um, for maybe 20, 30 seconds, but it was going on. So I then stopped and looked his way, and I said, do you think you could perhaps tell me about that after the service? <laughs> and it did the trick. <laughs> What the next step was, I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> but it did the trick. But yes, difficult people. If you want to grow in patience, uh, surround yourself with a few difficult people. And if we want to grow as a church, then we need to be willing to be stretched also. We need to be willing to put ourselves as a church in a place that we've never been before outside of our comfort zone, somewhere new. Because in the stretch, there's growth. In the stretch, there's increase. In the stretch, there's strength. And in the stretch, there is ultimately victory. But the thing we need to realize, because if we don't realize this, we've got the danger of throwing the whole thing off course. The thing we need to realize is that in the stretch, there's also discomfort and pain. Because the stretch takes us beyond what's familiar. It takes us into unknown territory. And when we get there, we're going to be feeling vulnerable. We're going to be feeling nervous. We're going to be feeling what's going to happen now. But let's not be discouraged by the discomfort of the stretch. Instead, let's embrace it. Because the stretch not only expands you and me, it expands the kingdom of God and it impacts other people's lives. Like rubber bands, we're not effective until we're stretched. And that's why we need to welcome the stretch. And the first stage of expansion is often on the inside. It's to expand our own minds. That's where the people of Israel fell down. God had a plan for them to extend, to expand their territory by entering into the promised land. It was, the, it was the, the big dream. It was the amazing future that God had for them. And to, to have their own land, to have space to, to farm and build and, um, and develop a, a land that um, was all their own. And that stretched involved action. It involved some, some battles. It involved some struggle. But before they reached that point, it involved change on the inside. And 12 spies went into the promised land ahead of the people to check it out. And they saw the most amazing things. They saw a land, as they described it, flowing with milk and honey. They, they saw guys carrying great... Bunches of grapes that, that needed to be strapped to a stick between two, two men. They saw this bountiful land flooded with um, good things to eat. And they also saw some fierce guys with big weapons. <laughs> All twelve spies saw the same things. But they came back and gave two different reports. Listen to this, Numbers 13, verse 30. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up 
and take possession of the land. For we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they'd explored. They said, The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. So here's 12 guys who've seen exactly the same things. But they're bringing a different report. They're bringing a different verdict. Why? Not because they'd seen anything different. But because they had different mindsets. You see, everything we see, everything we experience in life, passes through a filter in our minds. And if that's a natural filter, then we're going to assess everything we see, everything we experience in the natural. But if we've expanded our minds, if we've begun to take on board God's way of thinking, God's viewpoint on the situation, then we'll filter things entirely differently. We'll begin to understand the plans of God. The Bible says we have the mind of Christ. What an amazing thought. We have the mind of Christ. We can think God thoughts. We can tap into what He's thinking, to what He's wanting. And, you know, that involves an expansion because God's thoughts are always bigger than ours. And Joshua and Caleb two of the twelve, they'd expanded their minds to begin to grasp what God wanted the nation to do. There's no coincidence, I think, that this Joshua is the same guy who didn't leave the tabernacle when Moses went home to bed, but instead sought to stay in the presence of God. You know, if your desire is to stretch, if your desire is to become who God has called you to be, then the presence of God is where you need to begin. Just like Israel, the stretch for our churches will involve action. But before we reach that point, we need to allow God to expand our thinking. The ten spies' minds remained closed to the plans of God, and so they didn't enter in. And that's a tragedy, but even more of a tragedy is that their unwillingness to grow didn't just affect their own lives, but the lives of many others. The entire nation spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness as a result of these 10 guys not taking the stretch. I'm sure there would have been many in Israel who would have been apprehensive, but 12 leaders standing up there that, that day saying the same thing as Caleb, we can certainly do it. That would have won the day. You know, a united front, a united leadership, that would have carried the nation into the promised land. And so we need to enlarge our thinking. We need to think bigger because so many other lives as well as our own depend on our thought life. Paul said this, Philippians 3, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind 
and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. That word straining could equally be translated stretching oneself forward. It means putting effort into pursuing something new. It means reaching ahead of where we are now, of what's within our grasp at the present time. It means expending energy to reach the goal. What is the goal that Paul's talking about here? Well, what did Jesus say? He said, seek first the kingdom of God. Our our reaching into the future that God has for our lives and the lives of the people around us. It's all about the kingdom of God. It's all about building God's kingdom. And if we make that our priority, then the blessing that will flow into the life of our cities is amazing. The stretch involves stepping out of the natural realm. Because to really take ground for the kingdom of God requires the supernatural. Nobody gets saved in the natural realm. It it needs God. It needs the Holy Spirit working on people's hearts, drawing them to Him. And that's why we need to stretch and embrace the plans of God. The possibility of what God can do are endless once we commit our lives to Him, once we commit our minds to Him. He can stretch us in ways that we cannot imagine. Things that seem impossible now become possible when we become open to the stretch. We need to step beyond where we're at today. We'll never see change if we don't move forward. We'll never see breakthrough within our circle of comfort. We'll never see victory if we hold back from the battle. Our focus in, in this series is that the church is called to find those who are lost. And in that area, we certainly need to stretch. God's looking for us to expand our finding. And in order to achieve that, we need to grow our minds. We need to see with God's eyes. Jesus said in John chapter 4, Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. When you look at the fields around your life, the people in your workplace, your place of study, your community, your neighborhood, do you see them as ripe for harvest? I I know that often I don't. Often I'm still looking with natural eyes, seeing the difficulties, seeing the the hardness in people's hearts, seeing the resistance in, in people's words. But I need to change. We all need to change. I need to see the field much more through God's eyes to expand my mind. Because our minds need to stretch before our actions do. Because finding the lost is not a natural thing. It's supernatural. If we had to do it on our own, it would be a hopeless task. But you know, God can reach this world through us. He can speak through us. He can manifest himself in us if we allow him to. So that when you head to work tomorrow morning, it's, it's not just you that goes there, but it's God in you 
that goes there too. And it's God in you that is manifest in what you say and do in your workplace. And it's God in you who begins to impact people's lives. God in you who begins to bring change. God in you who begins to turn that workplace around. And it it may not happen overnight. It, It probably won't. But if God is flowing increasingly through us, then that process of change has begun. And it will keep flowing from there. God isn't looking for Superman or Superwoman. He wants to use you and me. He wants to work through us. He wants to work through this church to find the lost sheep and to bring them home. Let's pray together tonight. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.